This is the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers with your host, Robert Ferguson, where you'll get quick, relevant tips to build your speaking business. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Carl Sakis, who helps digital marketing agencies grow profitably by providing business consulting, coaching, and training services. Or as Jay Bear calls him, the Dr. Phil of agency owners and managers, one part confident and one part ass kicker. Let's get started. So, Carl, in one sentence, um, what do you speak about? I speak about agency management. That's the feature version. The benefit side is if you're running a marketing agency, I'll help you make work more fun and more profitable. I love the sound of that, especially when you put fun and profitable together. Yes. How did you end up in the business of being a speaker? I've been a self-employed consultant for several years, and I knew that speaking is a great way to build your business. It certainly has been. I'm not new to speaking, though. Years ago, I was involved in the 4-H program, and in middle school, my parents told me that I was going to Toastmasters, and I did. Wow. Your parents actually suggested you get involved in Toastmasters. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure what their motivation was. Maybe they're trying to get me out of the house for for one night a week, but but it worked. Well, I love to ask speakers, you know, what do you know now that you wish you'd know when you got started? And I don't know if you want to go back to being a teenager or maybe when you really started as a, an adult speaker, but what do you wish you'd know knew now what you'd known um, or know now that you knew back then? I probably would have focused more on marketing and, and I realize, of course, with Key 5 and the focus on video, I should have had a demo video a lot sooner. Initially, I was dependent, uh, this is as speaking as an agency advisor and agency expert, a lot of it was dependent on people I knew or, or single jump connections where someone I knew was like, oh, Carl's great, you should, you should bring him in. Whereas having a demo video makes it easier. So someone hasn't heard you speak, they can ultimately be like, okay, they sound like a fit and the goal is to reduce their risk level. I love the sound of that. Actually, what comes to my mind is, you know, before you go and see a movie, so in other words, before you go and hire a speaker, you want to know what they sound like. So they create trailers so they try and entice you if you want to see this movie. So I guess that's really what a demo video does for you. Definitely. I, of course, obviously, thanks to editing and other things, sometimes the the trailer is better than the movie. <laughs> you know, for, for sure, uh, you know, as with speakers, the, your, your presentation better hold up to the demo or else you won't get invited back. Absolutely. Well, I know that as speakers, there's um, a key story or a couple of key stories. And as you have multiple presentations, what do you do and how do you develop a key story that you may use across multiple presentations? Rather than necessarily a a story, a lot of my talks get into dealing with difficult clients. If you run an agency, by definition, you have clients. Depending on the size of your agency, you may, may or may not be interacting with clients daily yourself, but someone is. And this is true also if, you, if you're an in-house marketer, you've got internal clients as well. But clients tend to be a consistent factor regardless of the circumstances. 
And I've developed a step-by-step process I call Reason Options Choose, ROC, on dealing with difficult clients where you want to say no and they want you to say yes. And Reason Options Choose lets you navigate that without burning bridges. The key thing is that I want the audience to remember what I've shared. The idea is you cite a reason for why you can't do the thing they want. You give them a couple options that you would be okay with, and then you let them choose. I mean, it's simple, right? But it can be challenging in the moment. And my solution to help illustrate this framework on dealing with difficult clients, reason options choose, is to do improv skits during the talk. That is, I invite a member of the audience to come up, up on stage or from the audience in a, with, with the mic if there's a larger setting. And I ask them to play a difficult client. <laughs> this tends to be a very cathartic moment for them because they've been the service provider. They've had those difficult clients. And I hear all kinds of crazy scenarios. And ultimately, I then walk through using the improv skit, walk through how to use reason options choose. That includes some breaking the fourth wall occasionally to explain to the audience what I'm doing, this and that. Uh, everyone ultimately is, is laughing along the way and, and, and at the end, uh, but they're also learning, which I figure is a, a good way to, to make it work. I love the approach, not just your, you, you have a three-step process, but the fact that you're engaging the audience uh, Carl, I call that the fishbowl effect where you're, you're, you're doing something in the fishbowl. Everybody gets to watch through the fishbowl of what you're doing. And um, have you ever had that not go well? Because that, that live aspect when speakers engage an audience can be risky. It definitely can be. I, I think there are a few things that help make it safer. One, I've had improv training, improv comedy training. I've done a, a couple rounds of that. Uh, so that, that helps just knowing how to do it. Now, of course, the challenge is the audience member likely has not had improv training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so some of the things I think about, there's a concept of yes and you add on to what they're saying rather than disagreeing. You're looking for ways to heighten things, to make things crazier and crazier, which the audience loves. Uh, and, and it you know, makes things more ridiculous and, and fun. Uh, But it also helps that I've been working with clients for two decades. I I got into digital marketing as a high school student. I learned HTML, started building websites. I've been working with hundreds and hundreds of clients over the past 20 years. So I've been in all kinds of situations. I've made some great decisions. I've made some terrible decisions and a lot in between. And so I've seen a lot of the scenarios that come up. And if it's something that I'm not totally sure about how to handle, uh, that's a great time to have a, whoa, I don't know, or I'm stumped, or frustrated kind of uh, reaction on my face, and then the audience starts laughing even more, and that gives me time to think of what to say next. The other piece is that I do have an escape route, which is that if the audience member, uh, and and I have a a free consultation as a reward for them for for getting up and volunteering, sometimes I'll do just one, sometimes I'll do up to three. It's nice that it's modular in that if things are running quickly and I have more time, I can do a few. If things are running short, I'll do just one. And, And certainly the audience doesn't know how many I was planning to do. But if there's a situation where they're pushing it too far and 
you know, they're, they're not following reason options choose. They're, they're, they're intentionally pushing it. I do have an escape route, which is that I can say, you know, if a client is totally unreasonable, uh, for instance, if the client is insisting on getting a bunch of stuff for free, mm-hmm. if that's what they're focused on, there's no way to deal with that with reason options choose. Ultimately, I could say, you know, it doesn't work if they're totally unreasonable. The good news is it works with everyone else. Thanks, so-and-so. Let's, let's give them a hand. Uh, or <laughs> or in, the, in the case, I, I recently spoke, uh, did an encore at the HubSpot inbound conference in Boston. Mm-hmm. The conference itself has something like 20,000 attendees in my, my breakout session and almost 500 people. Wow. And I, I had walked along the front row uh, recruiting people, thanking them for coming. Uh, and I also mentioned that I was going to have an opportunity for them to volunteer, play a difficult client, and there's going to be a, a reward or prize to go with that. Now, only one person out of those people in the front row volunteered, but, you know, you only need one. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was pushing it a bit. Uh, and, and once we got through reasons option choose, you know, I asked him to choose. And usually people are like, you know what, I'll go with option B or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we wrapped it up and then he brought up a new objection or a new concern. And that was when uh, getting to know the AV technician beforehand came in handy. Mm-hmm. So I turned over the AV table, did the, uh, the, the kind of, you know, cutting the neck gesture. <laughs> I said, Corey, cut the mic. And the audience laughed even more. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say do not do any kind of improv-based scenario if you aren't good at thinking on your feet. Taking improv classes is really powerful at, at doing that. I mean, I, I, don't know if that, I don't know if I'd say that came naturally to me, but there are all kinds of frameworks you can get. And you need to know the topic well. The, the fact that improv training benefiting a speaker would never have occurred to me, Carl. So just alone, that is, um, I think, of great value to our listeners. And I can see the benefit, especially those who love to engage an audience and and not knowing what will happen. That's that's brilliant. Carl, as you speak across various genres, even though you've, you're focusing on digital marketing agencies and their owners and managers, I'm sure the venues change. How do you ensure that your presentation, even when you have the same structure of reasons, option, choose, how do you ensure it'll be relevant to that target audience? Ultimately, everyone, almost everyone in life has some sort of interaction with clients, whether internal or external. If they're internal, they might be stakeholders rather than directly paying clients. So that tends to be applicable. And I'll do a survey at the beginning of talks that focus on client service. You know, not all of my talks do, but we'll do a survey to get a sense of who's in the room. You know, do they have primarily external clients? I'll see who raises their hand. They have primarily internal. See who raises their hand. Is it a mix? And so that I'm able to customize some of my examples to fit that. Now, my speaking is primarily for BizDev, and my clients are all owners of agencies, digital agencies in particular. And so some of that just gets into my vetting process. I recently got an inquiry for a talk at a marketing association chapter, uh, and the odds are maybe one-third of their audience members would be a fit as prospective clients or or influencers at least. And so one of the things I'll weigh is, is that worth the trip? Uh, 
part of their their thing was we're just one hour from major cities so we're easy to get to mm-hmm. i was thinking being in the major city is easy to get to but uh, but i'm also thinking about other potential opportunities for instance if they cover travel and and uh, you know and, and a fee mm-hmm. it may be worth it to fly to the major city have them cover the rental car this and that do their talk and then meanwhile line up a 100% target audience workshop in the big city. So, you know, the, there's always a, a balancing act there. I, I found that it's important to qualify the event around target audience, around what they're trying to accomplish, and, and certainly around the budget they have. Okay. Makes a lot of sense, Carl. And, and as we actually start to wrap up here, I'd love to know if there's any secret tips or tricks you've learned about speaking that you could share with our listeners. A lot of speaking tips get into things around storytelling, around delivery, around slide design, things like that. I think a big gap is related to the technical AV side of things. You could have the best story ever. You could have the best slides ever. You could have perfect platform skills and then the projector dies. <laughs> I mean, think about it. What would you do if the projector dies? I, I've been presenting in some form or another f- for a long time. And for a long time, I never had a projector die. And then suddenly it did. And it actually happened twice within a couple months. Wow. And when you know the material, you can present without the projector. Mm. And the, the first time that happened, you know, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, but you know what? I, I was ready. And, and the organizer kept futzing with the projector, trying to get a bit, basically it would run for two minutes and then power off. <laughs> well, that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I figured, okay, I've got a 90 second video, funny video. Let me get the projector on long enough so that people can see the video. Cause that, that doesn't work without the projector. Mm-hmm. And then let's turn it off. And, and the organizer's like, well, no, I think we can get it working. No, the audience is there to hear things, to get, get the advice and the networking and other, other aspects. We are not going to waste their time messing around with the projector. Let's just move on. And we did. I actually got some of the highest satisfaction ratings from that talk ever, which was certainly not what I expected. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's an aspect. I mean, in that case, you know, I and the others couldn't get the projector to come back. Um, but other times I, I was at an event uh, last week where they were having some issues and I reached into my bag and I had the adapter that would take care of things. I have uh, two clickers. I have my preferred clicker and I have the old clicker, which is, you know, if... If the other isn't working, let's go for that. I've got batteries. I've got a countdown card. I've got all these other things that you never know when you're going to use it, but I actually keep those in my computer bag at all times because you just never know. So the more you can do to up your AV skills, that can save the day. That, that shouldn't be your only focus, but not getting that right could destroy everything else. Great advice. I really appreciate that, Carl, and I think our listeners do as well. And uh, as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about how to speak to a hostile audience. In any audience, there are learners who want to be there. 
vacationers who are just passing time, and the thorn in the speaker's side, the prisoners. Prisoners don't want to be in the room. They may have been forced to attend. They have nothing to lose since they are serving a sentence. They may heckle, distract, distort, or even sleep. But the challenge speaking to prisoners is no different from what must happen to be effective with a learner or a vacationer. Before an audience will listen, you must connect and make it worth their time. Make your open more interesting than their phone, a daydream, or their notes. If you're not more interesting than those items, then you deserve the hospitality sent your way. Once you've got their attention, then you need to give them the motivation that you are worth their time. I call it a reason to listen. It's a promise to the listener that tells them that what they get in exchange for their time and attention is worth it. It should precede your actual content, but follow your open. If you make it interesting and intrigue the audience enough to listen, even prisoners will tune in and be a positive part of your audience. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. I'd like to think no one is listening to these podcasts because they have to, but rather find them of value and worth your time. On our next Key 5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Dr. Jack Singer, a professional psychologist with years of experience teaching professional athletes how to be successful through developing the mindset of a champion. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.